0: Welcome to the afternoon snack podcast. I'm your host Meredith Root. This is a podcast. Well, hold up.
1: I want to be part of the intro too.
0: Okay, go ahead. Uh, Oh, mind. You can, you can do it. Okay. Uh, like I was saying, I'm Meredith Root, former engineer, CrossFit games, athlete, and owner of tactic nutrition. That was the one and only Alex Parker, former lawyer, also a CrossFit Games athlete, and co-owner of Tactic Nutrition. This podcast is about fitness, health, nutrition, CrossFit, business, mindset, and
1: things that grind our gears. Wait, hang on. Ivy wants to say something. Go ahead, Ivy. Ah, she's, she's shy.
0: No surprise there. Our goal is to give you something to think, talk about, hopefully make you laugh a little along the way. Good day, Alex.
1: Good day, sir.
0: Good day, <laughs> madam. <laughs> uh, how are you? Good. I pr would my
1: 5k this morning. What did you write? Ra- is that
0: an actual PR? Like I have, n- PR? I think
1: I think it might be. I d- I don't ever recall doing a 5k for time. The only other time I may have had a sub 25k was um, I did a. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest is I- intruding. I did a sprint triathlon with it. It finished with a 5K run. And I was under sub 20, but I didn't have a Garmin watch, so I don't know if it was actually 5K.
0: Yeah, because sometimes those courses are short. Yeah, mm.
1: but uh, I I would say today was a PR.
0: And like 0 out of 10, uh, like Borg scale this for me. Where was it? Like 8.9. Really? 9. I think it was a 9. It was definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think
1: this is enough about you, <laughs> but. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'll introduce the guest. We have a pretty inspirational guest on today. She can bench press 135 pounds, deadlifts 270 pounds. She just yesterday PR'd her max rep strict pull ups at four. She bakes a mean cho- chocolate chip cookie. She just found a new chin hair. Me too. <laughs> She has completed four marathons, b- but prefers to keep her times confidential. She's passed a kidney stone, and she has great genes. It's my mom. It's your mom. Welcome. Thank you.
0: Glad to... And it's, it's Brenda. Yeah, everyone knows. I mean, like... Alex's mom, Brenda. At Alex's mom, Brenda, which is the greatest Instagram handle. Yeah. So, welcome to the podcast. You're sitting on the podcast couch with alex
2: i am in a borrowed pair of socks and a blanket
0: i mean we we aim to 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 please
1: we like to call blankets blankies okay do we yeah it's more it's comforting
0: did we is that new it's new like just now yeah okay is that
1: like rice cripsies (laughs) yeah well it was because we were in moraine and meredith brought a blankie for me Mm. and i i had it kind of like wrapped around and it just was better suited to call it a blankie at that moment cuz i was very childish
2: it's a great story i'm not surprised you guys have a podcast
0: <laughs> don't <laughs> worry we have we have way more <laughs> where that came from yeah so we had we had brenda on the podcast what like about a year ago a little over a year ago actually one of the earlier episodes and uh i think that podcast we had wine but it's not quite wine 30 so coffee today and that was a really popular and is continues to be a really popular podcast so why not do it again yeah
1: last time you talked a lot about like your dieting history and how you kind of got to where you are which is a state of really like not caring as much about your appearance (laughs) And I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> not <like> it's <laughs> not like you appear bad. You just don't care.
0: Not you know? like it, it, we needed to give up. <laughs> you just need to not. Yeah.
1: You're not giving up. You just like, you're focused on other things. hmm
0: hmm <laughs> Like performance
1: and health this and this longevity. Is this going well? When
2: is this over?
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Uh well what we wanted to touch on something you don't have COVID you have post nasal drip right
2: yeah so I'm a little coffee but I always am so have you been tested (laughs) I have not but I've been like this for seven years so
0: and also been kind of like sort of you know hermit for two years so the the likelihood is yeah true like us is low um all right well where do we want to kick this thing off
1: on the COVID topic we were laughing yesterday. Because we went to the grocery store and (laughs) remember when COVID first hit (laughs) and we needed masks and everyone was like buying like really cool masks and like it was kind of like a stylish thing. You were like
0: concerned with like what your mask looked like with your outfit and this and that. And now like I don't know about you. I'm to the point where I will put literally anything <laughs> on my face. Like we get where we're going. I'm like, crap. <laughs> I'm like looking around the car. Like, like
1: I pulled a mask out in between like the seat. <laughs> Found like one. down like down where you lose like Cheerios?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm good. I got one. Yeah. Do you, is this yours or is this mine? Which way's out?
1: Like I spelled on my mask the other day peppermint gum. And I don't chew gum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will frequently put it on and notice that. There has to be ivy hair on the inside <laughs> of the mask. It's like, <laughs> like, what is on my, <laughs> what is on my face here? Yeah, I, I wonder if that's, that's probably pretty common. Yeah, everyone mask, just no one cares anymore. Mask apathy. Mask, a, mask, a mask Okay,
2: pee. so I'm just gonna go.
0: <laughs> 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 it was nice having you <laughs> on again.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, well, actually, what so what have you been up to lately? How's training? Um, Well, let's talk about training first and then we can get into more of the nutrition stuff and what you've been doing lately.
2: Well, so training's changed a fair bit because I found out what was making my shoulders hurt a lot and turns out they're pretty wrecked and uh, one at least will have to be replaced at some point um, depending on how well I care for it. And so I had to stop all overhead weight stuff. I can still do pull-ups, I can still do rope climbs, but all the overhead weight things have completely stopped. So I kind of miss that stuff, but at least I still have a coach that can make things interesting and still do other things. And yeah.
0: So no uh, double dumbbell overhead squats anymore? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> Kettlebell overhead squats?
2: No, I never did overhead squats anyway. Shh, so. <laughs> I don't have
0: to tell them that. It can be our secret.
1: But you, you, so you recently just PR'd your strict pull-ups yeah when was it wasn't that long ago you got your first one that was in palm springs that one day
2: um yeah that was i don't know i think about a year and a half i was probably i'm 62 now and i think i was under 60 like i think i it was maybe before my 60th birthday okay yeah that's
0: (laughs) pretty strict pull-up by 60 i remember that now Mm -hmm. yeah Was a milestone which is pretty pretty incredible to begin with and now we've added three.
1: Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you noticed your arm or back muscles have changed? Are you more muscular since <laughs> you got your first pull-up? Um, Yeah. Oh, you are? Yes. Nice. My back- Have you been focusing on like what your muscles look like or is that just a result of you training hard and eating healthy?
2: No, I put a bra on one day and went to put tight shirt on and I just took a look to see what my hair looked like in the back. <laughs> And I couldn't believe how I was busting out of my bra, so I asked your father in the to, back, not in, in, the in the back, front yeah, for clarity. And I asked <laughs> your father to check it, and he's been laughing at my back ever since.
1: Nice. So that's not a result of you focusing on your looks.
2: No, it's too late to focus <laughs> on my
1: looks. <laughs> well, we just have a lot of clients who their goal is to change the way they look, but you don't have control over the way you look. You have control over like what you can do.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I don't think you can control. Yeah. I mean, other than, I guess, if you want, you know, if you're, you know, if you maybe want to lose some weight or gain some weight or something just so that you're, you know, not as heavy or not, or not as skinny as you want to be, no, or as fat as you want to be or heavier or whatever, like that to me is one thing, but the rest of it, no, you can't really control that. It's nice to just, it's nice if you have someone like, so with with Mike programming me things just developed over the years to an extent that I wasn't expecting and it's just kind of nice that it comes as a, a surprise yeah. like all of a sudden one day somebody says something to you and you don't even notice and and that you've you know developed some muscle somewhere or...
1: so what would what's your mindset like going into each workout and like do you have any specific fitness goals right now or is it essentially just to kind of like do your best in each workout and get fitter, stay fit, that sort of thing. Like, do you have any very specific
2: goals? I have no specific goals. I don't think I've had any specific goals since I started with Mike, except for the pull-ups. I really wanted to do pull-ups and then got to the point that I didn't think I would. But other than that, I don't think I ever had any specific goals. Um, Recently, Mike said that I could probably eventually do a 300-pound deadlift. I'm not sure if he was joking or not, but... (laughs) Um, you use the trap, you use the trap bar, uh, for that Have you? I yeah. think it would probably be the trap bar. Um, but, uh, other than that, no, no goals. I just kind of follow along and like, like the pull-ups yesterday, like I said, it came as a surprise. So, um, I just assume that if there's any goals involved, he's setting them and, and programming my workouts accordingly. How often do you miss a workout that he programs for you? Oh, h- hardly ever. I can't, I can't think of a time where I missed it. So you would say like working out a very big priority of yours. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's just something, yeah, it's just sort of part of my day. It's how frequently do you work out? Uh, six days. And then just recently we were making a move and we got really, really busy. So I actually took a, almost a whole week off, I think, and then reduced to four times a week for maybe a week or two. And then I'm back up to six days now. And how long approximately do your workouts take per day? Uh, it kind of depends, but I'd say on average, um, maybe an hour to an hour and a half.
1: And would you say, so if you had to break down, like how much aerobic versus like strength based stuff do you do? So like cardio versus strength based, like, I mean, uh, some of it's mixed, like a met, you'll do like Metcon stuff with like wall balls or air squats or push-ups.
2: I'm not, I'm not sure. I've not, <laughs> I am not sure i have i have not thought about it. I, w- I could be completely off, but I'm thinking almost 50, 50, because even if I'm doing like today, I didn't do any, um, uh, aerobic stuff, but usually there's something involved, even if it's like 15 minutes or something after some strength, strength training stuff. So I don't know. I feel like it's kind of even, or maybe a little bit more strength than aerobic, yeah. I don't pay that much attention, actually. I just kind of do what I'm told to do. How important do you think it is to have somebody, uh, like, to have a coach? I think it's incredibly important. I think, um, I mean, if you if you can afford to do it, I think it's it's absolutely invaluable. You, um, I mean, I I would probably back in the day, you know, I do things videotapes and I just keep doing the same ones and increasing weights and stuff. I think it's important, um, for a, for motivation, um, because if you have somebody that can change things up all the time, then you don't really get that bored. And then the other thing is, is, it's just nice to have, especially I think when you're older and you have limitations, like I do have quite a few limitations with mobility and stuff like that. And it's really nice to have a coach who can work around that and can also work around whether or not you do have goals. Like I'm sure, you know, coaches have clients who have specific goals and they can work with those or they can work with someone like me. And then also somebody who is able to, um, figure out how motivated you are. Like I, I'm prepared to push myself. Whereas your dad who, you know, was a great runner and stuff just is not prepared to push himself quite as hard in, in workouts. And so it's just nice to have somebody who can, and also if you get injured, um, then they can work around that and you can still have decent workouts, you know, not using some part of your body as much. So I I think it's, it's the best thing. One of the best decisions I've ever made.
0: I think that's a important topic because a lot of people like, you know, even older, the older generation, they go into a CrossFit gym because their kids do it or they've seen it on TV or whatever. And they do have limitations and either they, they aren't aware of what they are, so they aggravate those limitations, or they're they're scaling improperly. And so they're losing the um kind of the intended like stimulus of the workout. And so I think then like when you're when you're a little bit older, you really do have to take advantage of the time that you have to train and and get what you need to get out of it. And so I think that's where having an, an individualized coach like Mike is so important. And so useful because you get really do get the most out of your like 60 or 90 minutes or whatever you have to work out during the day versus just going to a class, you know, scaling the crap out of a CrossFit workout and like, you know, not getting a, a whole lot out of it more than just moving your body for 30 minutes.
2: And I think it's, it's important, especially if you're older, to have a coach who actually knows what they're doing with older people and understands that because, for instance, um, even when I was working with Mike, the year that I did the open and Alex and I would do it together and then she would invite me to do a second workout with her and I would do it and I'd be all excited. And then I, you know, basically would lose consciousness for several days and, <laughs> and then she would, t- you know, she would do little programs for me if we were away or something or, and she has no clue. And I, I mean, under her supervision, I think, you know, bad stuff would happen. Like one time we went to the gym and it was when I think you were in law school or something, I don't know where you were, but you were working out a lot by yourself at OPT. And so I would go with her and she'd say, oh, you should do my workout with me instead of yours. And I'd say, oh, okay. Oh, I'll maybe. And then she said, no. And then she'd set everything up before I had a chance to, to actually say no. And one time I had never cleaned, uh, what do you call those? S- a sandbag. Never done it before, and I think these were eighty or hundred pound sandbags. So Alex says, "Well, here I'll show you how, and you can you can clean it onto like a thirty inch box or something." So she picks up the sandbag and she shows me the technique, and I do it. And then she said, "How was that?" And I said, "Well, I you know it I think I did it, but I think I also ripped myself a new one. <laughs> like no warm up, not a clue." That I am not her, and I cannot just manhandle a 100-pound sandbag just like that, walking into a gym.
0: Yeah, that's a theme I think for Alex the oh. way she goes through life with other people. The <laughs> assumption is that the <laughs> everyone has the same capability and whatever. I have yeah,
2: it's yeah
0: similar stories with skiing. Um, okay, so <laughs> the <laughs> we don't have to get into those. The, the last time you were on, we kind of discussed your history with dieting and exercise and just kind of the different phases that you went through, and I think a lot of people found that to be pretty relatable. Um, looking back, is there something now that you would tell your 30- or 40-year-old self? Uh, or is there anything you wish that you knew that you know now?
1: We work with, yeah, we work with, I would say the majority of our clients are around the age of like 30 to 40. Mm-hmm. so any advice whether it's nutrition or fitness related or something else
2: so uh, uh or advice uh, to your younger self not well advice to you, my younger self is and this is still something that i continue to work out but i'm getting better and better is that it just doesn't matter like you have to just uh you have to just accept what you look like like you can, you can improve it. You can change it. You can work to do those things and it, and you'll probably have some results. But ultimately, um, if, if there's a part of your body that you focus on, which I'm going to say a lot of us do, um, like try, try to just not, Because it, and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't, when you go out and you look, like if you worry about what you're going to look like on the beach and you could worry about it for weeks. And then somehow when you get out on the beach and you're in a bikini or something and you look around and you're like, this is humanity. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) actually that bad. And you're not that bad. And nobody is that bad. And nobody should be, you know, it just, nobody should feel that bad. Like it, it just, it doesn't matter and you can't, it just doesn't. And when you look at some, so as a woman, you think, oh, you know, my body and what I look like and stuff. Look at all the men who are with women who you kind of think, you know, they're not that attractive or they have this or they have that. Like men have, you know, if you're a woman worried about what men think of you, like men have different tastes and so do women. Like. And women are harsh judges and they should stop doing that. But, um, it just doesn't matter. Like you just have to really try to accept yourself, like just try to move past it and, and just, and like you have always been Alex since I, you know, since you were a kid, really just celebrate what your body is able to do for you as opposed to what it looks like. But how do you like,
1: and I try to tell my clients this, um, you know, they'll say like, I just, I feel fat or I have this problem or, you know, I can't look at myself in the mirror. And like I, what I see is a really healthy individual. Like, you know, maybe they don't look like a CrossFit Games athlete, but like they look like a strong, healthy, young, like female, or they have kids. And it's like, you know, there's so much more than like, you know, the fact that you want a flatter belly. And I'm like, you need to practice positive self-talk. Like you know, instead of looking in your mirror and and looking at, and, you know, picking apart your body, like I'll say, like, think about what your body can do. Like, tell me something you love about your body. Like what, what's an actionable item that you, you found helpful in order to move past it? Like, do you just try to brush it out of your mind and focus on what matters and what you have to, you know, or like, what, what is that? Yeah.
2: You just, I think you just have to keep telling yourself it's like anything. And, you know, and when you say I feel fat, I mean, like everybody, I have days where I feel particularly lean and then I can go through periods where I just get really, um, like a lot of, it seems like inflammation and a lot of water retention. And I feel, you know, kind of, I just don't feel comfortable. And I, I know I look sort of different. I mean, most people aren't going to notice it in clothes and stuff, but, um, but somehow over the past 10, 12, 14 years, It's taken some time, but somehow I can move on and it's not going to ruin my day and it's not going to change what I eat, you know, except if I feel full or something, I may eat less, but it's just, it, it's an effort. Like it just, you have to just keep telling yourself and working at it and it's not going to happen overnight, but you have to kind of commit to it. I, I'm not sure what happened to me, why that, why I kind of turned a corner. Um, but I did and it just, it It's just like, you know, binging. I continued to binge over time, but it got less and less. And now I just don't. I don't. And it's just, it took time. But I think think people really need to work on that because I, it's hard. But especially if you're, if you have children, boys or girls, I think they pick up on, on that stuff a lot more than you think. And with social media and stuff now, it's really not, a good thing for young people to be focused on that because you might think you're hiding it, but your kids pick up on it.
0: Yeah. And I think eventually like as you age and get older, if you're holding on to a, you know, the way you looked when you were 25 or 30 or the way, you know, you're chasing an appearance, it's, there's going to come a, come a time where things do start changing in an irreversible way. And you have to be like, at that point, if, if you're so attached to the way that you looked when you were younger or the way that you, want to look or this or that like what do you do then when those changes start occurring if you don't love what your body can do and have some deep appreciation for it like is does the self-hate just grow like where does that road go that's where i think it goes
2: and even sometimes so i used to say this to the girls if they'd be mad at something or right? it'd be like you should just be grateful that you have legs <laughs> but it's true <laughs> because some people don't and i don't know if sometimes you know, if you're driving down the street and you see someone on a corner who's like in a wheelchair or, you know, has some disability or something, you know, and you kind of think, man, how lucky am I? And you ha- have to think that, like, if if you just, you know, yesterday you had a good run and today you're feeling crappy about yourself, you ha- you should think, like, some, you know, I should be really grateful that I was able to do that.
0: Yeah, I think there's a balance between... Um, at least for people who are, who are high-achieving, type A, competitive. There's always that, that struggle to do that and balance gratefulness for like, what you have while also like, the desire to have more. And so I think there's a, there's a fine line where the desire to have more and the des- desire to achieve can make you ungrateful for what you have. And that's a, you know, it's a, g- a good at that point to have someone in your life who can kind of provide a little bit of perspective. Or moments or whatever. Because I think that's that's a real struggle <laughs> for a lot of people.
2: One, one more thing that I'll add now that I'm thinking about it. I think that the years of working with Mike, the training has made a difference because it it almost... for If you're into it and you really like it and you like the surprises when you PR or you learn something new, um, you're forced to kind of remove some focus on what you look like. And the the sense of satisfaction that you get out of out of having your body do those things can kind of um, just, you know, the, the, it can be just so much greater than the negative thoughts about your body or I guess you're just spending more time being positive about what it can do. So I think that has made a difference too over the years.
0: Yeah. And when we, we've talked about Mike a few times, but in case you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Mike Fitzgerald who owns um Optimum Performance Training OPT here in Calgary and he p- he programs for um for me and Alex but also programs for Brenda and <coughs> Alex's dad Garth and the thing that's interesting about Mike is there's kind of been this push or like you know a lot of the coaches in the CrossFit space are really pushing for performance athletes and that's kind of where their focus is and Mike can certainly program for high level games athletes but I think he gets just as much satisfaction seeing you know, someone like you progress or someone like Garth or you know, really anyone, it doesn't matter, I think, necessarily to him where like what the starting point is. In fact, like he might get more satisfaction out of out of having a bit of a project and seeing someone who, you know, you might not think would ever be particularly high achieving or be able to do four pull ups or, you know, whatever, achieve those goals as a result of like his programming, which I find a very relatable Um, perspective (coughs) because we work with kind of the same population of people and you just like Mike I think a lot of people assume that the interest is only in like high performing athletes when in reality there's just as much satisfaction in helping you know a really busy mom of three kind of refocus and find her love for herself and you know help A person like that achieve goals in addition to high-performing athletes. And
2: he doesn't have the same expectations with everybody. So I could go into him and say, I could have had a completely different fitness level when I went in to meet him the first time. And I could have said to him, you know, I just really, I just, you know, I don't, I maybe three days a week. And I, you know, I may not be somebody who wants to learn to climb a rope or do a pull up or something. And he's fine with that. Like he'll work, he'll work with, your needs and your abilities and all that stuff so it's it's not everybody has to you know be or some people some older people might be intimidated or something because they go into a gym and see people like you but not everybody has to do the same thing
0: yeah exactly
2: um so do you want to switch over quickly so
1: we talked like Meredith said we talked a lot about your nutrition last time but what are like over the past year, has anything really changed? Like, are you still tracking your food? If so, like why and how, why do you find that useful? Um, And how do you kind of incorporate, it's a little bit different with COVID because maybe you're not going out as much, not that you were a big party animal or anything, but how how do you like, how do you strike a balance and how do you maintain a healthy relationship with food
2: now with tracking and stuff like that? So, (laughs) excuse me, nothing has changed a lot in the past year. I still track, but... Um, not like super precisely. I basically track to make sure I'm in the ballpark every day. Um, I think again, I am sure said that, said this in the last one, but the biggest thing for me is protein. And if I'm not tracking, I struggle enough to get enough protein as it is. And if I'm not tracking, there's absolutely no way I know I would not get enough protein. And, uh, and even measuring, like I still, if I'm looking at a piece of chicken, I am always going to underestimate or overestimate yeah. mm-hmm. what it is. So you know, I'm looking for 150 grams of chicken. If I if I pull out a piece of chicken and I look at it and I think, oh, this is 150, and I throw it on the scale, I'm like, oh God, it's only 100. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, without measuring some stuff and and tracking, I I probably be off. And um,
0: what is your protein intake each day?
2: Uh, I'm I try. Well, I like to say it's 150. But I've been a little, s- I've struggled to get up there lately. So um, I'd say I average around 135 ish. And then some days, like I'll, I'll be 155, and I like to think it kind of all balances out.
0: What? Um, so and that's, you're, that's
2: about one gram per pound of body weight. A
0: protein. little over. A little over
1: for you. Yeah. But yeah.
0: So that's a big one, I think, for um, especially the older population. Protein's a really big deal. Um, and people, we get a lot of people who will complain about it or say, I can't get it in. I can't do this. What are some of the positive changes that you noticed when you increased your protein intake a few years ago?
2: Uh, I was really struggling with inflammation at the time that changed very quickly. I mean, I still do on and off, but
1: inflammation in terms of like swelling, bloating, yeah. Yeah. Just whatever. water retention problems.
2: Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was Achiness, just like joint pain. Yep yeah, it just, I noticed that was, that was very quick. That was a very quick, uh, improvement. And then, so I've always had really thick hair and, uh, I know a lot of women my age who are losing hair and I don't know how many I've said, you need to eat more protein. So my hair has actually gotten thicker to the point, as you know, that it's like out of control. <laughs> and, um, I think that was the protein. And then a couple of other things I read. So I went through this thing where, and I think Alex, you had this too, where the, my eye, uh, eyelids would get super, super dry and it's almost like painful and they get really flaky and stuff. And I haven't touched wood. I haven't had that since, um, since I ch- increased my protein. And I read about a year ago that that could be a sign of low protein.
0: Yeah, that would make sense.
2: So there's all kinds of things like that, but it, yeah.
0: It sounds really cute flaky eyelids. It's a, oh, it's, it's a painful. natural,
2: it's a natural eyeshadow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like, gets it gets red, cause red cause and ugh.
2: it's yeah. It yeah. wasn't very comfortable at all. So I haven't had that since my protein in, in, intake. Uh, so I'd say those are the biggest things. And again, like for older people losing their hair, honest to God, it, that I think can really help. Okay. So eating protein for most,
1: no one wants to eat like 150 grams of chicken or like some days you'll pull out like a piece of dry roasted turkey or you know your snacks are
0: half a beef burger half a beef burger
1: or like you know we're on the beach in maui and you pull out a baggie of like shredded chicken like that's not what people want to eat but like you see for you and like you don't enjoy like you don't particularly enjoy eating dry chicken on the beach no so you do it because you see like that many positive benefits like when you think like i don't want to eat this chicken like i'd rather have a margarita or whatever it is. How do you like? What do you tell yourself? Like, is it just is it a habit now, or do it's you, just a
2: habit now? I don't even think about it. Like, it's just what
1: you do, and you know that the benefits have, are as as great as they are, and it's worth eating things that you maybe don't necessarily like. But in your diet, you also have a lot of balance. Like, you do enjoy wine. You do enjoy these other things. Like,
2: yeah. So, yeah, I do enjoy. <laughs> I do enjoy a little wine. And going back to body and stuff and changing bodies. I know, I'm pretty sure that if I cut back on my wine, there are parts of my body that I'm not that crazy about that would probably change a little bit without the wine consumption. But you know,
0: <laughs> what's the point? <laughs>
2: Seriously, is it worth it? Uh, uh, for me, it's not. And you know, like my husband said, you, you know, you want to look a bit thinner around there or you want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> you <choose. laughs> But that's a, that's a good takeaway. I do enjoy, you know, a nip of wine here and there. <laughs> Just a a nip, just just a nip. nip. Um, And, uh, but you know, it's even stuff. So tonight we're celebrating um, Alex's birthday a couple of days early and we're getting our favorite cupcakes for uh, her birthday. And I even kind of think about that because I don't eat that much gluten. I'm not like, I wouldn't say gluten intolerant, but. You
0: you mispronounced it. What? Gluten. uh, Gluten.
2: (laughs) Um. But I, you know, I actually think, oh, I'm going to, I won't eat that many. And then I won't eat that much or I won't eat all the icing. And then I will because, because we do. And I just know that the next couple of days I'm going to suffer a bit. Like I'm not going to feel that well. You know, my stomach's going to be a bit sore because I'm not used to eating that much sugar. I'm not eating, and I'm still going to eat it, but there's a consequence to it. And there's a reason that I don't do it every day. Like I'm sure, like
1: once a month or once every few weeks, it's like worth it.
2: Yeah, like if and if we go out for dinner, I don't think about it. I don't think about what I'm eating or what you know we're having for dessert or anything like that. Like, but it's just sometimes like if I know it's coming, I sort of think, oh, I can't wait for the cupcakes. Oh, the next day is going to (laughs) be kind (laughs) of icky. But I think I I think the the longer that I eat reasonably well, the more. Uh, the less I tolerate crap, I think, which is incentive to avoid it
1: yeah. even more. It's yeah. like a,
2: a slippery. It's like a slippery slope, but in a good way. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm not actually making any choices. It just is what it is.
0: Yeah, and it's. I think even if if it's not a um, an active decision, there's still, like, a bit of muscle memory to it. Like you do remember the way that you feel after a day of cupcakes and wine, and that kind of, like, paints the the decision making a little bit. But like there's a lifestyle cost to being extreme with your diet and with your training. And that's, I think what a lot of people don't realize when they set really, really aggressive aesthetic goals or performance goals, you know, it's like, yeah, you want to go to the CrossFit games. That's great. Like be prepared to give up everything else in your life, you know, or you want, you know, you want to get really, really lean, like bodybuilding lean, like that's fine, but be prepared to give up literally every social event that you have on your calendar for the next year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like when when the girls come over for dinner most weekends on on Saturday night and Meredith will enjoy some wine with me. And then she just, oh, she drinks so much. And I'm like looking at her and I'm thinking, oh, Meredith, you are going to hurt tomorrow. But, um, you know, I usually rein it in pretty early. But uh, yeah, so that's, she's always a good reminder. We actually had
1: to move like weekend dinners to Saturday because Meredith on Monday morning, we get up early to start work and she's like, I'm hungover.
0: <laughs> well, it's not even hungover. It's like I don't drink that often and it a couple of glasses. It's not like a hangover, but it like it does create some brain fog um, the next day. So it's not something and that So I when you're texting really. your
1: clients you're like, "Oh man, like how was your weekend?" I had a I feel horrible. I <laughs> too many cupcakes, I too much <laughs> wine.
0: I hope you did better than I did. <laughs> yeah, it's best to have that day on Sunday when I don't have to talk to anyone. Um, okay so we got two questions We're, we'll move on um, we got two questions and I know that there are more people who follow us who are wondering about this but um, asking about training after menopause and if you had to work harder for muscle growth and I don't know we've car- kind of already talked about that part but let's talk about it again
1: <laughs> what's the science say?
0: What does the science say?
1: Yeah, like, what is the science? What Like, you know, a lot of people say, like, oh, this happened, you know, once I hit menopause. Um,
0: yeah, so there's this misconception about what menopause is and what it does in the body. And so what menopause is is essentially the two female sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, that tend to oppose each other during the menstrual cycle. They both bottom out. Just low. You're in a low hormonal state
2: So can I c- just correct you? It's not. It's when you stop getting your period. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, for the boys for out there who don't know, about that.
1: and that's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, it just goes away and nothing else changes. That's um, what I've heard, at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you just you're in a low hormonal state, and so that has, um, especially estrogen, has a, a pretty big impact on um, energy levels. But uh, essentially, there's nothing hormonal that's going on that makes muscle building any more difficult than it is when you're younger. Um, you know, maybe you get a slight anabolic effect from estrogen, maybe. But you're not looking at, um, you know, an anabolic effect that is anywhere remotely close to the anabolic effect of testosterone. So even if you, you wanted to make that argument, you're talking about orders of magnitude less, um, you know, muscle growth stimulating effect than, you know, a, a man. And so really nothing hormonal that's going on. The main difference when people go through menopause and after is – you see, kind of a natural decline in activity level. So move around less. Um, women are less likely to uh, exercise, lift weights, and then also, like, you know, the protein intake be- is is all probably already a problem, and becomes even more of a problem as people age. So you start looking at. <coughs> um, a decline in activity level, a decline in movement, and a decline in protein intake. And so that's why people say, oh, well, after menopause, your, your metabolic rate decreases. Your metabolic rate is decreasing because you're moving around less and you're, you're starting to carry, you're starting to, to sort of slough off lean body mass. And so that's what causes your BMR to drop. But um, tell me about your experience.
2: Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I ha- I don't know really if I if you g- gain muscle less quickly after. What I know is based on my experience and what I did before I went through menopause and then say in the last, I don't know how long I've been working with Mike, five or six years. I have gained more muscle since I've been in menopause than I think I ever did uh, when I was younger. Again, I wasn't in, you know, some kind of like programming or anything like that. I did Kind of work out and I ran and all that stuff, but I've definitely gained more muscle. You were also
1: working full time before, right? Like, yeah. Which
2: makes a difference, stress and sleep and yeah. things like that. Uh, but definitely gained more muscle. And when I started with Mike, I'm not going to go through that whole story, but basically it was in the hopes of maintaining what I had because I was told to stop running and stuff. So I went to him thinking, well, you know, I'm mid 50s or whatever, late 50s. And I thought at best, um, I can maintain what I have, thinking that you couldn't gain any muscle after, you know, a certain age. And indeed, you can. And not and, uh, so there's muscle and also um, just what my body can tolerate. And I, I think, again, the a good best example is skiing. And Alex can attest to this. My husband can attest to it. Not only can I ski longer and, I mean, as hard as I did, um, but certainly longer than I used to. I have more endurance but my body just bounces back. Like I can actually do it two and three days in a row and ski with Alex and, you know, ski like steep slopes with her and, and actually be able to function the next day and get skis on again and do it all over again. It's I, I was amazed when I, we got back on skis last year or two years ago, I guess it was. Yeah. So there's, I don't think it's ever really too late to do something. Yeah. That's good advice.
0: I think it is, too. I think you get really conflicting information, especially if you watch the news. I know I've seen a number of segments on, like, the Today Show when they're talking about, well, here's the best exercise to do after menopause. And it's always, like, bands and, like, really lightweight and, you know, this and that. And I'm like, look, the best exercise to do is the exact same exercise you would do before menopause.
1: Strength training, strength training, strength training.
0: That's it. And I think... Like, yoga
2: doesn't count. Sorry. I feel like strength training is probably more important as you age. 100%. And you want to maintain your bone mass and stuff, right? Yeah. So.
0: And there's been tons of research that's compared the... Um, you know, because once you start to lose... There's really no way to regain bone mass. Like, that's... it's You can't really reverse it, but you can stop bone loss. And that's sort of been researched. Um, there's a number of papers that have come out on that where they basically compare, um, you know, the rates of bone loss in resistance-trained elderly women and... Control group, or you know, women doing aerobic training, and the resistance training, the weightlifting group just blows the control group and the aerobic group out of the water every time. And um, it's really easy to measure it. You just do a DEXA, um, and it's it's the evidence is so compelling to me that it's it's shocking that you s- you we're not hearing about it in in the news. That it's not th- it's not what's yeah mainstream there. media. Yeah.
2: And even doing stuff, uh, and I think some of the, you know, if you're doing lunges and all that, uh, a lot of that stuff is important too, because you do tend to start losing your balance. Mm -hmm. And I think what I do has really helped to, to maintain my balance. Like I still have really good balance. Like I can, I can jump up on like a 12 inch box with one foot, which apparently is not that common for a lot of older people. And it's a lot, I think Mike said a lot of that is due to lack of balance. So mm-hmm. balance is super important. Yeah. I think as you get older, you want to do stuff to maintain that.
0: Totally. Yeah. So I think that's a really, that's a really important message. And I I hope if people are lift or listening in their, you know, late forties, early fifties, and they're concerned that that's, you know, makes them less concerned, but yeah. really it's, it's about. Um, You know, the the best case scenario when you're aging is that you come into that period of, you know, of your life and you already have a high lean body mass from years of strength training. That's the best thing that, you know, I think you can do. And if you if you're not in that situation, then like it's not too late to to start moving yourself in that direction. Just because you're, you know, you're you're pre or perimenopause or even postmenopause doesn't mean that like. You can't make positive changes to your body and your lean body mass.
2: And I think g- going through menopause too, um, I had a very, like, I would say a relatively speaking, quite a positive experience with it. Like it didn't, it wasn't horribly negative. Like some women, I think part of that, I chalk up to, uh, you know, half decent nutrition at the time. Uh, the fact that I was active, I think activity, I, th- I don't know. I think being active can help a lot of things. Um, And also I just would really like to add, since we started on the topic of menopause, I have told, and this isn't just for menopause, but uh, women, you know, just with issues with periods and stuff like that. I don't know how many women I've told this to, but try acupuncture. It, it was, it was amazing. And I think it made the whole menopause thing a thousand times. And Alex can certainly attest to this, that even though I'm known for mood swings, I, that I had moved. I come to, by it naturally. I mean, <laughs> it, when I, when, when I was premenopausal, I mean, there was probably, I don't know, a year or something before where, you know, things would get really ugly. And I would go to this acupuncturist once in a while when I would have like really bad muscle issues, like just tighten, you know, from stress or whatever. And then one day I said to him, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this and, you know, I'm not going to go into details of what, and, and he was like, oh yeah, I think I could help you with that. And so I, I went and saw him, uh, a week before I was supposed to get my period for a number of months and these two little na- needles just above my ankles. And it was so effective that the girls, I don't know how old you were then, like what, 15 years ago or whatever. So you would have been like mid teens. And the girls would say to me, did you, did you make your appointment? <laughs> do you have, do you have your appointment this month? So I would highly recommend that highly, 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 highly recommend it.
0: We actually just met last week during the photo shoot. One of the girls there was a um, acupuncturist, and she specialized specializes in um, like pelvic floor and like F- PMS, fertility stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a thing, hundred percent.
1: Um. So another question, and this is kind of touching back on the last podcast where you had some inspiration from Oprah. Does your obsession continue?
2: No, I haven't really followed Oprah much for a number of years. I haven't. And then I was in, I think, like a hair salon or something, and I was reading Oprah Magazine. And I kind of was a bit turned off because it was like all these things that, you know, must haves. Mm-hmm. And one was like some $400 US white blouse. And everybody, sh- you know, everybody should have one. And I'm thinking to myself, have you completely lost touch? <laughs> Like you know, most of the world cannot afford a four hundred dollar blouse, so and but I yeah I haven't really I mean she and plus she went off the air years ago so I don't really I'm not really obsessed with her that much.
0: The uh the most recent Ellen DeGeneres stand up it was been it's been out for a few years now, she kind of it just reminded me that she kind of makes fun of that phenomenon where you lose touch with what is relatable and what is not relatable and so Ellen in the opening monologue is talking about you know, how she, she's like, you know, I'm doing, I, I, I did something the other, other day that everyone has done, you know, in their life. And I, you know, I was taking a shower and then I turned the shower off and I realized that I didn't have a towel. And so what did I do? I, you know, I, I stepped onto my, you know, whatever bath mat and I shimmied across my 40 foot long <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> like marble, floor. marble floor, <laughs> you know, and you know, it's Italian marble. So <laughs> it's, and she's just going on and it's, She's kind of poking fun at that phenomenon, and it's it's not the first time I've heard stories about um, Oprah specifically, but it just reminded me of that mono- that that monologue, which was really funny. or when
2: she used to do those shows where she'd do giveaways, and it was always like, oh, well, everybody needs one of these, you know, this seven million dollar <laughs> jammy pant or something. Like I just was like, get over yourself, but yeah. Well, there I,
0: was um. Do you remember she used to give away like everyone in the audience would get a car? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like how many people in the audience can't even afford the taxes on that car? Yeah. 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 It's uh, anyways kind of funny.
1: Um, <coughs> there is one question and it, and I have this question all the time. Um, we want more Brenda. When is Brenda going to take over the tactic Instagram and
2: also, Why don't you post more? So to the first question, my question is, who the hell is that? (laughs) 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 Trust me, anybody who has more Brenda has too much. (laughs) Um, My dad can attest to that. She's like salt. I don't know. I'm just kind of, uh, I, I don't know the posting thing. I just, it's still to me, it's just sort of an odd thing to do. And I'm always if like Alex will say, we should post that or something. And I feel like I'm showing off or something if I'm posting something about workouts, like I do once in a while, but, um, and then a day in the life of, I, I mean, I don't know, my day is so boring. Like, (laughs) I mean, it would have been good years ago when the kids were growing up and we were really busy with sports and I was working because that was just like, it wasn't like this for them but for anybody else watching it would b- would have been like a sitcom <laughs> um but nowadays i mean i don't know my days pretty boring i don't do anything too exciting
0: um on that note what uh we have two questions the first one is what was alex like as a child and then the second one is some of us have teenage daughters and would like advice what was alex like as a teen <laughs> so i feel like You can just go in chronological order and answer. answer. So
2: uh, easy answer to those. Don't flatter me too much because I'm right here. Easy answer to those. First of all, I'm surprised that Alex allowed that question because she always gets mad when I tell stories about her as a kid. Um, But (laughs) really, technically, Alex was never a child nor a teen. Um, I think the best way to describe it, she was, I think she was around 14. Still super tiny, scrawny when her her ski coach said to me one day, he said, such a shame. He said, body of a 10 year old and mind of a 40 year old, (laughs) mind and discipline of a 40 year old. So she was, um, and we were talking about this this morning and I think Meredith pegged it when she uh, speculated that there was some, uh, that Alex might've been a little on the neurotic side and she definitely was, she was a real warrior but not um
0: warrior warrior yeah
2: worry. she worried a lot <laughs> comes by that honestly too but um I don't think I ever worried that much, much as a child very focused on athletics um and she wasn't like a sucky kid it's not like she never got in trouble you know for not doing something around the house or something like that but she was just basically focused on sports and um that translated into a lot of discipline at school. So we didn't ever have to bug her about doing homework because she would get um, a project that was due in like three weeks and she would come home and do it instantly (laughs) because, you know- we were the
0: opposite. Oh, neat. This is why
2: Meredith and I don't work well together. (laughs) Well, and I I was a total procrastinator, so I didn't get get it either. Um, But Alex would always worry that if she left it, there was a possibility that closer to three weeks when she had to do it, something would come up, whether it was skiing or soccer or golf or something, that she would have a time conflict. So she had time to do it. She just got things done well in advance so that nothing conflicted with uh, her sport activities. Um, and I mean, she, she, you know, she played with, they had, you know, she had a lot of fun with her sister and especially these girls across the street that they grew up with and they did all the kids stuff and everything, but, um, just not super typical, like would rather do like anything. A, like as
1: one time I missed a birthday party mm-hmm. to go
2: to my soccer practice. You were nine years old. I remember mm-hmm. that. And I said to your father, what the hell is wrong with her? <laughs> um, it was a soccer practice too. It yeah. wasn't a game. It was just a practice. And I think she showed up and there were maybe two other kids because the other girls were at the party. And um, anyway, and so I then... I was probably like, how dare they miss practice? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then as a teen, same sort of thing, never had to worry about her uh, for, of course, unknown reasons then, but n- never had to worry about her coming home pregnant. Um, (laughs) never had to worry about her going out and doing anything stupid, drinking too much, partying too much. She wasn't going to come home with a tattoo or some nose, like nothing. She just, she just was not like to the point that I think we were more worried that she, that she should be doing more of that sort of thing. But again, just so focused on and enjoying athletics so much that she just wasn't going to destroy a day. And, and, for I don't know if you're still like this, but she would go to bed at night. It was like the worst time of the day because she just couldn't wait for the next day because the next day meant like like it would brought something new and activity, and she just couldn't wait until the next morning. Couldn't wait to get up and so a little bit of a weirdo um, <laughs> in, <laughs> in the best way possible, but in but in a good way. I mean, we just and these are all the things Meredith really loves about me. I now. mean,
0: like I'm listening and I'm like, yeah. So none of this has changed. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So she, it, it was, it, as a parent, um, we'd never had to worry about any of that stuff. And and also, um, you know, having myself dealt with, um, d- you know, clearly disordered eating and then having to deal with that with her sister, not, not realizing in all the years that I was, you know, that it was a thing when I was all the years that I went through that. Um, but it was interesting because Alex said to me, I think you were about 20 years old. And she said to me, And I think it's because her sister was suffering through some of this stuff. And Alex said to me, you know, she said, I don't even think I ever thought, gave a passing thought to what my body looked like until maybe a year ago. It kind of occurred to me like, hmm, wonder what I look like. Because it just, it was never, ever, ever, ever about what she looked like. It was all about what she could accomplish physically. And in some respects, I think that was, I really admired her for that. Like she just, I, you know, wish, wish more people could be like that. Not necessarily focused on sports, but something else that just takes their focus away from you know, the obsession about what you look like. And this, and also, the neither of the girls were into... I mean, back then, social media wasn't as, as intense it is, as it is now. But Facebook was a thing, all that kind of stuff. Neither of them were into that. And she suffers from computer skills to this day. Uh, but again, just because of involvement in sports, it just wasn't a, a thing.
0: I think suffering uh, with lack of computer skills is putting it really nicely.
2: Uh-huh. Um... <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I would say to that point, I didn't, it wasn't until like really university where I actually like really noticed, like had like, uh, noticed my body image, like recognized it. Like I just never, it wasn't a thing. And I didn't surround myself with people who cared about that stuff. Like even through like high school, I hung out with like a lot of boys and even like in, um, university I did. And I think that's part of it, but then, um, it's interesting what my sister, it was the complete opposite. Like you, you've kind of touched on it and I I don't know if this was brought up in the, the other podcast, but like she grew up with, um, like very athletic still and like driven and academics, but had a completely different experience around body image and food. Very much
2: like I had. Yeah. And it's
1: just, it's interesting. Like Um, you say, you know, kids are very in tune to that. Like, uh, clearly, I wasn't to what you were going through. And maybe clearly she was. But at the same time, and Meredith, you've touched on this, like, I think you were saying, you've had a couple clients where you ask, like, Oh, well, where where did this come from? Like, are your parents? Did your mom have a history with, you know, food and uh, a bad relationship with food? And she was like, No, not at all. Actually, like, it came from school. Like, my friend group was obsessed with the way they looked and talked about food all the time. And that's well, how I, you know, my relationship with food kind of turned sour.
0: And it's, it makes sense when you think about it, because just because you're, you know, your your family or your parents don't, you know, they don't make a big deal out of it or don't project it. Like what if your best friend's mom is obsessed with her body weight and that, you know, it turns into a, uh, a thing that your, you know, your best school friend has. And now that's getting projected on you.
1: It really, like, it doesn't take much, especially as, like, a adolescent. I mean, I w- I'm going to say female because that's my experience. But, like, even for somebody who hasn't had body image is- issues, like, I remember somebody at the gym was like, wow, your legs are getting a lot bigger. And, like, in my head, I knew that he meant, like, that's a good thing because I'm an athlete and I'm trying to get stronger and I do CrossFit. But in my head, I was like, what? Like, are they, f- is my butt, like, big? Like, you know, it's... For somebody who doesn't even, it doesn't even, it's kind of always, those things have always kind of bounced off me. There are certain things that kind of like make you question like, oh, well, maybe I do need to worry about the way that my legs look like bigger. That's not really a good thing. So, and I think you can um, be like my, I guess my point is that you can be like a, a perfect parent in that regard. There's no really such thing as perfect,
2: but like, Oh, Alex, please. I mean, <laughs> I know you're, you just you don't cl- want to embarrass me, but <laughs>
1: It's just like, there's so many, there's so many factors. And I guess, like, I don't know if there's any, I, obviously I'm not a parent. I don't know if you have any specific advice to like helping a, a parent avoid a uh, teenager running into these issues is like.
2: Yeah, so uh, having learned the hard way and what we learned um, about, in in our case, it was disordered eating, but it's anxiety and poor body image and all that sort of thing. I'm just going to backtrack a bit and say, you know, Alex, you said you didn't hang around with people who were into that. Um, Evan, did, uh, your sister did more. She she kind of was more of a girly girl and hung around with girls. And some of those girls were kind of bitchy and they would make comments. And um, where, but I, but I will say that you grew up with a lot of people kind of making fun of not well making fun of you, and also all of the years of, of people just assuming you were a boy and you had short hair. And I remember my mother used to say, oh, you know, I wish she'd grow her hair and she wouldn't have to go through that. And I was like, I'm glad that I have a kid who's prepared to walk around with short hair because she wants short hair and doesn't give a crap about somebody who thinks she's a boy. Like it just didn't matter because, and sometimes she took pride in it because it was how she played sports that, you know. So <coughs> it, um, it. I think some people are more predisposed to it to begin with. But also, even though you maybe, you know, didn't go through a thing with food, and that's the other thing. I mean, as a kid, as a teen, we never had to worry about you eating too much sugar. Like, you were just kind of a freak in that respect. Like, I would hide how much sugar I ate from you because I was embarrassed by it. But um, going back and, you know, I think, I think everybody's kind of got their thing. And even though it wasn't a food thing for you, I think a lot of your anxiety and when we laugh about you being anal or, you know, um, a worrier and stuff that part of it is innate, but part of it comes from, I think how you were raised and how I was, um, you know, I was always on the edge and, um, and, and as far as advice goes, and I mean, some people, I think, you know, we've talked about this and you, you have said that you were glad that I was on the edge and let you do as much as we let you do. And who knows? I mean, it probably, it, you know, I think it took its toll, but as far as advice goes from what I've learned, I think the most important thing, whether it's a small kid or a teenage kid or your spouse or your parent, I think the most important thing that you can do is not dismiss a person's feelings. That to me is like... Like v- validation. Validation. So w- so if you have, and I'm sure I did this to you guys to some extent. So if you have a, a, a kid who's upset, and it's, it's, it's upset over something stupid, or a kid comes home because, you know, the boy they like doesn't like them and stuff, I think what I've learned is is it's not a good thing to just say, oh, don't cry, stop. You know, it's that silly. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> There's nothing better than somebody saying, I feel really badly for you. Even if you've never experienced it yourself, you can say, you know, I've never gone through that before, but I would imagine it really, you know, I can, I can see why you're upset and let that person, especially a child experience those emotions. Because again, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but from what I've learned in my experience with one of my daughters about myself and then, uh, a, a board who who that that I'm on that helps deal with these issues with with adolescent women. Um, if if you can't express those feelings, you end up going somewhere a wrong place in your brain, and that's where you start dealing with your emotions through food, through exercise, through whatever. I mean, there's a million a million things you could do. You know, you could be punching people. It could be anything. And so I think personally, being a non-expert, just from what I've learned, that's probably one of the most important things. And I have learned it and I've changed with you. And I will say that you have, you're more like that with me. Mm -hmm. Well, part of it for me, and I don't know, Meredith, if
1: you can like attest to this, like we've over the last several years together, like you're so, we're similar, but we're very different. Like, you are more like relaxed in a way. And I definitely have anxiety stuff. So like I've, you know, you used to say to me like, Oh, don't be silly. Like, don't worry about it. What are you worrying about? It's going to be fine. It's like, that's doesn't work for me. Like, (laughs) you know, that's me. Like you don't understand. You don't understand. Like I'm trying to like, I'm not heard. And you probably are this like, you know, there's certain things with me that you're like, she doesn't get it. Yeah. So it's like deep being in a, in a, in a, deep relationship with somebody that is very different from you kind of helps force you to learn as well. And then also dealing with people on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. I think it's, you have to, I guess, realize like you're not, I can't fully understand because I'm not you and I don't deal with things the way that you do and you don't deal with things the way that I do. And so, you know, you can't say I get it, but you can you can like create space for someone to have their, feelings or that's, exact,
2: that's exactly that's yeah.
0: exactly it yeah and it's it's not about like it's not about understanding it's not it's about like you can say I, I understand that must be hard for you even though I can't exactly like, I can't comprehend it because yeah. it's not the way that I am and I think that's it's it's not only being in a relationship but it's also like it's dealing with <laughs> hundreds of people and it's it's um you know it's it's how ha- it's it's being able to to be an active listener and one of the things that I I'm I've become really sensitive to and I notice when other people do it is when someone's having a hard time, you know, with whatever, I think there's this natural human tendency to be to, to go, Oh yeah, a similar thing happened to me and this was my experience. Don't do that. Like you don't you don't need to do that. Like what you need to do in, in most situations is just acknowledge that they're going through a hard time and, you know, you know, I understand this is difficult. If you like if you need anything, if you need to talk to somebody, I'm available. Like you don't I think a lot of times when you flip it around and turn someone's experience into a storytelling session for you, it kinda makes people feel like, Oh, they don't really care.
1: Yeah. Like remember when Evan had cancer and she'd be like, Well, I have cancer and they'd be like, Oh, my uncle had cancer. He died.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like Seriously, so, but people do that automatically. It's like, and I know they're probably just trying to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, I had a similar experience, but like, not always, not always the right time to tell people about that. And I have a like, I know I I used to have a, a big tendency to do that, and now I don't yeah. so much.
2: Well, I, and as as a as a, from a child, f- for a brain that's developing, it's really important to let that. Again, I, I don't want to sound like I think I'm a psychologist, but from what I've learned, it's really important to let that person experience their emotions, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whatever it is, let them express it fairly openly. Otherwise, it can just get tucked away. And as I said, you start using the wrong part of your brain and you start turning to other things to try to regulate those emotions. And it just, it, it can, it, it, it creates a lot of problems. There's a, a
1: therapist once told me, cause I like, like I, I always think worst case scenario about things. So like, you know, if we lose a client or something, it's like, oh my gosh, the business is going to fail. And so my tendency is to talk to Meredith or you about things like, oh, I'm really worried about this. And she said a lot of people or especially parents will, will kind of go into like problem solving mode. Like, okay, let's, let's logic our way out of this. And so it's like, okay, so what's the worst that can like, or is it, is that even likely like you have this many clients, if you lose one, does it, you know, does it mean no, of course not. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Whereas like, and then you start learning that. But again, like you said, like you never actually think like, okay, how would it feel if like the business failed? What would I do? Like, oh, and then you kind of, you, you naturally yourself kind of get to the point where it's like, oh, it's actually going to be fine. And even if it's
2: not, it's still going to be fine.
0: Mm -hmm. Rather
1: than
2: someone just being like, you'll be fine don't be ridiculous. Oh, the don't be ridiculous. So my generation, (laughs) just calm down. I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not going to name names, (coughs) I'll turn Alicia. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, my generation, there was a lot of that, right? Because that's what they learned. And so a lot of it is, is shutting it down. And so you get this um, you know, and as adults, regardless of how, of how we were raised, like you reach a point where deal with it because you know you're an adult and you should be able to. So you can't really blame anybody. But I think my generation, when we were growing up, there was a lot of that. Just shut her down, like, oh, don't be ridiculous, or you know, my mother's thing was or Meredith's family, where it's like, where's the rug? <laughs> grab the grab <laughs> grab the broom, just sweep it right under. Well, my mother was like. <laughs> The rug's a little lumpy. <laughs> so my, my mother was raised where um uh, it there was a big focus on, on what you looked like. Like appearance was huge. And my grandfather was an immigrant from the Ukraine. And he was very image conscious. And he would tell her, you know, your hair is your crowning glory. And she was obsessed with her hair and stuff. And so she was, you know. And, <laughs> me too. And, and <laughs> you know what? That stuck with me. <laughs> and so one time... And and she would always talk about you know, and it was always like, like she if if I had a friend who was super smart, and I'd be talking about my friend, and she'd say, "Well, you, you know, you're smart too. I'm sure you're smarter than they are." <laughs> you know, things like that. I mean, it was it. It's just, so one time we we were at a ski race, and one of Alex's teammates had a really bad race, and she was sitting in the lodge, and I said to Alex. What would your grandmother say to her? And she turned to her friend. She said, well, you know, you're prettier than all of them. (laughs) So, so it was different problem solving. (laughs) But there was a lot of the shutdown stuff. That was for sure. Nobody wanted to see crying. No, you know, anyway, good times, good times.
0: Happy times. Um, Okay, one of the last questions we got was, "How did you celebrate Alex coming out as uh, gay to your law colleagues?"
2: T- to my law colleagues?
0: Yeah. Or did you? Or I guess. No friends. is a fine answer. Yeah. Friends. Co-workers. Okay, I guess
1: I guess the question would be more like, "Well, how was your experience with me coming out?"
0: Yeah.
2: Were you embarrassed? Did you not tell anybody? For Alex, I'd spent so many years being embarrassed of you <laughs> that, you know, for various reasons. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't embarrassed. So I, I think we might have covered this at some point, but I remember the time you told me and everything, and I, I had said for a number of years, and then watch you have a couple of relationships with, with men. I was really worried. I thought she's either gay or she is incapable of connecting with another person in that way and that really worried me because I felt like you wanted to connect eventually with somebody and I just didn't want you to spend your life without someone if you wanted someone and so I was a bit relieved but I I we knew and your father and I never talked about it but I said to him after did you did you kind of know And he was like yeah I kinda, you know so d- it didn't come as any surprise at all it just it wasn't a big deal um I mean yeah it it wasn't a big deal I had the usual you know you worry for a little bit like that your life might be a little bit more difficult than it would be if you were heterosexual um, but no I mean we always ask uh, you always say like well I wonder how like
1: my grandpa if he ever talks about his granddaughter like and Meredith like does he say like oh Alex and Meredith? Or does he talk? Do they talk
2: about that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like I wonder if Cause
1: he's definitely from like a completely different.
2: Yeah. I mean, he certainly with us seems to have seems to have accepted it mm-hmm. quickly. And, and I don't think he thought, I don't, he claims he wasn't surprised. Um, and he certainly likes Meredith. I mean, he's, you know, very happy to have her puts him in his place. (laughs) Oh, and she definitely puts it. And we're very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if he talks about his daughter and his, her girlfriend. I, and I don't know that he's telling all of his friends that his daughter's getting married to another woman. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. And if he doesn't, so what? I mean, the fact that he is the way he is around us is good enough for me. What did your dad say?
0: Oh, he said he knew, and I was like, "Well, geez, thanks for letting me get married, <laughs> Dad." Really appreciate you. What do you, what
1: you uh, Meredith? <clears throat> have you
0: have you ever considered <laughs> the positive? And I'm just going to throw this out there, so don't get offended uh, when I say that. Have you ever thought about maybe that you're gay? Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, well, that's the thing. It. Yeah,
2: like, you're not going to say. But when Alex was struggling to tell me, I finally turned to her <laughs> and I said, "You're gay." Like, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, you know, it, I don't, I don't, it just, it wasn't that big a deal. I was glad that she was able to sort of deal with it. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, now, I, and now look at us. And I'm going to say that. You um, like Meredith more than me. Well, I had moments where, oh, I'm going to be honest, like just for maybe a half a day, I kind of thought, oh, she'll never have that like traditional wedding and traditional pregnancy if, if, you know, if if they ever have kids or whatever. Uh, but that went away. I mean, that was just a very momentary, I don't know if it was even selfish. It was just more of a thought. But then I said to Alex, like, I think I kind of like having another girl around. It's just way more fun than having a guy. Like, you know, we can share things like chin hair talk (laughs) that I, I probably would share it with a boyfriend, but.
0: I call those Frankie's. The chin hairs.
2: Yeah. You can use that if you want. Trust like. me, you don't know what chin hairs are at this point. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> She's know? offended that you even have a name for them. When you can do when you can do Movember, <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> then we not on
2: purpose. Yeah. That's when you're, you know, you've reached that age, the chin hair age.
0: You know, you like the, you do, you get in the car and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh Hi. my God. God, (laughs) and that's why you have to keep tweezers in your car. Well, Meredith
1: doesn't use those like, she doesn't use a magnifying mirror. Well,
0: why would I? Because I don't do my eyebrows. Yeah, true. I mean, I do have them done. Let me specify. Yeah.
2: I have a little eyebrow thing I'm going to show you that I bought. I don't use it on my eyebrows, but yeah, it's just, anyway, I'll show it to you. You see if you like it for emergencies. But yeah, those magnifying mirrors, like you reach an age where you need them, but they're really scary. they're really scary.
0: I think I'll just do like laser hair removal eventually.
2: Heard that's painful.
0: Of course it is. Yeah. It's not
2: that bad. I've had it done. Armpits. Totally. And uh, and one other area that I won't specify. <laughs> <laughs> Peepee.
0: <laughs> uh that's all the questions we have. What do you Yeah.
2: Like? I don't have anything else.
0: Um hmm. What are you
1: doing for the rest of the day?
2: Well, I'm going home and preparing for a Saturday night dinner. What are we having? We're having pork with, I can't remember what kind of balsamic sauce that you like, and roast potatoes and asparagus and cupcakes. And Meredith and I may have a little nip of wine.
0: Just a nip. I'm um, actually, I opened a bottle the other day, so I'll bring that over, the rest of it.
2: Is it good? Is it, what is it?
0: It's like a Sonoma County cab. Ah. It's, it's pretty delightful.
1: And if it's not great, you can
2: just serve that one to Walter. He does Oh, not Right. That's right. We yeah. can we can uh, give that to your grandfather. We'll give him the pork ends too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I think people will like this. Uh, I know like you're
1: my mom, but uh, you're a good a good uh, <coughs> a good person to have on because we sit here and we're like 30, 31, 32, 33 and we're like, "Oh yeah, menopause. Like you just keep training and it's, you know, you'll be fine." but they're probably sitting there like, you don't even know what I'm going through. But I it's nice to have somebody who's gone through it and who can attest to what we say about it.
2: I think some people it's harder than it is for others. And a yeah, guy had sure. fa- hot flashes for like six months and then they were gone. You hear about women who have them for like six years or something. <laughs> but even that, it's hot flashes and maybe you're not sleeping as well and everything. But I don't think it's like, you should stop doing things. I don't, you know.
0: No, yeah. And I think that's...
1: I don't think you decide to stop. I think you just, you, things change. You get, you're older. So you're
2: like, you don't have as much energy. People yeah. retire and they, they start going easier on themselves and they yeah. might be drinking more. And
0: it's definitely a lifestyle shift. Um, yeah. And it is going to be different for everybody. Right. And that's just kind of, women live that life. It's, it's like everything is, you know, it's different month to month. It's different person to person. Like, you know, the experience is going to vary, but there are some things that you can do that will universally make it easier. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Thanks again. This was great. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks Uh, for having me. Like, subscribe. Uh, You can follow Brenda at Alex's mom, Brenda, even though she doesn't post a ton, but maybe she will. And um, yeah, drop us suggestions if you want to hear about anything specific on the next podcast. Thanks for listening.